Welcome to the One Haas Alumni Podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have Gerilyn Castillo-McAniff with us, who is the Managing Director and Head of Diversity Inclusion at Oak Tree Capital Management. Gerilyn is also a Haas alumna from the class of 97 of the Haas undergraduate program. We would like to welcome you to the podcast. Hi, Sean. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thank you for joining us today. So, Gerilyn, you know, first off, we'd love to hear your origin story, your family's background and your upbringing before we get into anything boring. (laughs) Absolutely. I, like so many students at Berkeley, I was not born in the United States. I was born in the Philippines, a suburb of Manila called Quezon City. But my family immigrated to the Bay Area, California, in the 70s. Wow. Most of my dad's side went over, and that's where my family's origin in California began. My grandfather, when he was still in the Philippines, actually worked very closely with President Marcos on, I believe it's called, and my uncles and aunts might give me a hard time for getting this wrong, but it's something akin to the Federal Housing Commission in the Philippines. But during the 70s, things started to get pretty difficult there. And my grandfather, who was an attorney, just really felt strongly that he wanted to bring the family to America. And so I was the oldest of the grandchildren in my generation, and actually the only grandchild on my dad's side that was born in the Philippines. And we immigrated over. And the whole family my father had eight siblings, or he had seven siblings. There were eight of them. They all moved over to the East Bay of, of the Bay Area. And that's where our family's life began. Do you know how they came to drop a pin on, on East Bay? Yeah, my grandmother had a had a sister who already was in the Bay Area. Yeah. And like most immigrant families that come, they joined a relative who was already here. And at the time the Bay Area was certainly a great place for Filipino immigrants to come. There were many who were immigrating into the area. So I think very early into the first few years in America, they found a lot of other and met a lot of other Filipino families, met friends, and and ultimately um, decided that the Bay Area was where they wanted to stay and raise their family. So we came to America, and we started from the beginning. My grandfather was an attorney in the Philippines, but he wasn't at a stage in his life where he, um, you know, could start over and become an attorney in the U.S. So he um, went and worked for a bank and started from the beginning. He really started his career from the very beginning. Wow. I really admired him. I admired how hardworking he was. I admired how much he had given up leaving the Philippines and the life and the professional career that he was leaving behind, really in search for more opportunity for all of us. He passed away many years ago, but I really think of him as one of my heroes because in truth, everything about my family, my life, my cousin's lives are are really because of him and the decision he made to move to America in the 70s. How did you decide to to go to Haas? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Berkeley. A remarkable institution. I I always knew when I was younger, I think I knew I wanted to do something in business. In truth, I thought I'd be an accountant. And Berkeley's Haas program has a wonderful accounting department. 
There were many accountants in my family. That's a very common career path for Filipinos. Yeah. I had an aunt, my Auntie Eva. She was an accountant. And I had another aunt, my Auntie Malloy. She was an accountant. So that's what I thought I would do. I knew the program at Berkeley was wonderful. So I really started at the Haas School thinking I would have a career in accounting and go work for, at the time there were, it was the big eight. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was really at Haas that I learned about finance and opportunities and career opportunities beyond accounting. I took a class my junior year that I loved so much with Professor Steve Edder. He's actually still teaching there, Corporate Finance 134. And that class was a finance and valuation class. He taught it case study method. I enjoyed every minute of it. it. It was one of those classes you take in college where you feel like, gosh, I wish I could take that every semester I'm here. And Steve had just, you know, Professor Edder, he had just started teaching, I think, that same year. And I met some of my closest friends at Berkeley in that class. And it just ignited this idea in my mind about career paths in finance. I also had a really close friend. He's, he's still a very close friend today. We actually live, our families live very close together. That was at Haas with me. His name is Nelson Shing, one of my best friends. And he turned on this idea in my mind about thinking about a career in investment banking. And I didn't know much about it. I, you know, my, I grew up in a family, none of that didn't know anything about investment banking. And Nelson did. And that community at Berkeley, right? We you share ideas. You're always talking to each other about internships and jobs. And and Nelson really um, got me thinking about a career path in investment banking. And and so that's how I started. He ignited an idea, Nelson and Steve Etter, with this class. And I started interviewing for full-time roles, and I landed a job at J.P. Morgan to start in 1997 in their investment banking group. That's amazing. Things have changed, right, since uh, 1997. I'm curious to hear, correct me if I'm wrong, especially as, as a woman in finance back then when people were not as cognizant of diversity, inclusion, equity. Are there any stories that you could share with us about <laughs> back then? Sure. I mean, I'd say from a challenge standpoint, I went to JP Morgan and I went to New York very confident technically because of the experience I had at Haas. Right. The program at Berkeley, the business school is is relatively small, especially, you know, compared to the student population at Berkeley. Yeah. So I did feel like I had this small college experience where I really got to know my professors, but the rigor and what I learned from an accounting, communication, business, finance standpoint, I, I went to New York and I started my training program at JP Morgan feeling very, very good about my technical skills. And so that started me with a tremendous amount of confidence analytically and technically. The areas that were harder for me, just given how I grew up, were more on the soft skill side. Some of the restaurants that I would had, you know, got to go to when I first started as an analyst in New York and some of the client meetings, some of the travel, all of that was very new. Right. Exciting certainly exciting and and I embraced it but all of those experiences were very new and I really credit a number of mentors who 
took me under their wing when I first started at J.P. Morgan, who really um, helped teach me those soft skills. They are wonderful mentors who I'm still quite close to today. Bert Waldman, Roger Wood, Jimmy Elliott, Paul DeBar. They were all colleagues who I worked closely with in the M&A group at J.P. Morgan, and they helped me. They taught me how to do all the things away from the technical and the analytical that I hadn't been exposed to before. One of the reasons I'm so passionate and I believe so much in the power of mentorship is I saw it transform me. I saw how it affected me as a very young professional in New York. I just know that if you have somebody in your life, and lucky for me, I had four people in my life at a very early stage, when you feel like somebody's really showing you how to do things and how to you go to a restaurant, how to travel, how to order a drink, how to meet with clients, it also helped bring so much confidence for me. And it was wonderful. And, and I just know how transformative that can be for a person of color, for a woman, for anyone, really, when you haven't grown up in the same kind of environment, like what you might be experiencing when you first start your first professional job. On your question about challenges facing your career, you know, I had one of those amazing moms who raised me and my sisters to always be grateful about whatever situation you're in and and use it as a learning opportunity. You know, my mom had a tough go. She was raising the three of us, four eventually. She was divorced. My dad, I love him so much, but frankly, he just wasn't around all that much. Kind of came in and out. And life was hard for her. She was a secretary, so she didn't make very much money. But growing up, she never really complained ever. She never wanted to ever feel sorry for herself. And she certainly didn't want us to ever feel sorry for ourselves. Like we moved to a new city after the divorce, maybe about 20, 30 minutes from where we had grown up. And, you know, instead of it being a negative and feeling like we didn't know anyone in this new town, she was so positive. And, you know, look at this amazing new city that's got so many opportunities for us. It's so safe. It's close to her work. She was always just very positive about everything. She raised us, you know, every time we would do something in the house, she would say, if you're going to do anything, you do it right. You do it excellent. As simple as vacuuming the floor. If you were just kind of doing it, you know, in sort of a lazy way and not doing a great job, she'd get angry and say, the opportunity to clean or the opportunity to do something is a privilege. If you're going to do it, you do it right. And she just ingrained that in us. And and as a result, I was raised in such a, you know, always with so much positivity and so much gratitude for whatever opportunity came before us. And I really credit that to my amazing mom. I tell her that now, of course, maybe growing up, I didn't appreciate it as much. And quite frankly, on the question of of challenge and what's hard, everyone, no matter your profession or how you were raised or what kind of life you have, like we all, we all face challenges, my goodness. Um, Every day presents challenges. And so much of it is how do you look upon your life? And are you a half glass full, half glass empty kind of person? And when there's a road bump or something really difficult, do you look at it and say, okay, what can I learn? What am I getting out of this? How is this going to help me grow as a person. And having that attitude about, you know, every challenge is an opportunity to learn something new, meet new people, do something you've never done before. When you have that outlook, it's, you know, every everything is a is an opportunity. 
And it's a really great way to look upon life. So certainly are there times in, in my career, in your career, and anyone who's listening's career where it was hard. Um, there was a challenge, of course, for all of us. And frankly, those challenges are all relative to the experience we each go through. But they're also always growth opportunities. Just last week, I attended a dinner, an awards ceremony that I enjoy so much. It's called the International Woman of Courage Dinner, and it's an award that the State Department gives out every year to nine to ten women, um, women around the world that are nominated by ambassadors for the excellent work they're doing supporting women's rights and children around the world. And I love this dinner so much because it always resets me about what real challenge is. These women, some of them, many of them are fighting for women's rights, for children's rights, for family rights, for LGBTQ plus rights. In parts of the world where fighting for those rights is very difficult, many of them over the years have either been imprisoned or somebody has tried to take their life and they keep fighting. And they're so positive. You know, many times over the years at this dinner, two or three of the awardees speak and they're so positive and they see their work also as a privilege to help others. And I always think when I go to this dinner every March, I, I always bring a number of friends to it. Gosh, you know, our life here isn't hard. These these women, their lives are hard. And it resets me to remember that work, when it feels difficult or challenging, it's also a privilege to be able to do it, right? To be able to have this opportunity to work in this industry with so many talented people, the opportunity to to meet other, you know, business owners and leaders of other companies. It's wonderful. It's an opportunity for me to grow every day at work. And, and so I, I really do love this dinner that I get to attend because it resets me about the relativity of what's hard in life. And these women, if you've not heard of this award, you know, I encourage you to look at it online and read some of the profiles of these women who are doing such amazing work around the world. Really, I, I'm so humbled whenever I get to hear their stories. At this year's dinner, I sat next to this really remarkable woman and her sister, and she was an awardee winner several years ago. And she was a journalist in Kosovo reporting on on different things taking place during the war, post-war. She grew up during the war, and she had to seek asylum in America. She came to America with her two sons the night before we had had dinner, and there was a woman who was the first fighter pilot in the military in Afghanistan. So again, every everything about hardship is relative, and we should see it through the lens of what so many others are doing. And so are my challenges at work, again, I, I really don't kind of dwell on how difficult they are or, you know, gosh, that was a tough obstacle. I really have tried, you know, I don't always succeed, but I have always tried to approach it with this mindset of, okay, that was hard. What did I learn from it? And how can I do that better so I don't make that error or do that again next time? That's amazing. I'm kind of glad you talked about mentoring young people because I know you co-authored a, a textbook, Investment Banking M&A, right? <laughs> but can you kind of share more about that and your passion of mentoring young people from diverse backgrounds? Absolutely. So I, at a very early age, even when I was at Berkeley, actually, I, I so enjoyed the opportunity. I did quite a bit of tutoring, finance and accounting tutoring when I was at Cal. So from a very young age, I knew how much I enjoyed teaching and interacting with others and helping explain concepts that might seem 
confusing or complicated and trying to simplify them. I enjoyed that very much at Berkeley. When I started at J.P. Morgan, I really enjoyed doing that with new hires and helping onboard them and and helping getting them integrated into the M&A group. My now husband and I, we actually met, we worked together in the same group, not in the same, you know, we didn't work on the same team, but we met at J.P. Morgan. And one of the things that first brought us together was we both really enjoyed teaching and training and working with younger professionals coming into the organization. And so after we left J.P. Morgan and before I started at Oak Tree, Peter and I wrote a book on M&A and corporate finance and investment banking, really with the goal to help anyone interested in the business learn with a practical lens you know, how to do the basic types of analysis that are expected on the job. That was really born out of this interest in trying to help people take it down to first principles. It's an industry that can be very intimidating for people, right? And and we really wanted to write a book that eliminated that intimidation. And so that's what we did. And and so when you ask me what excites me, what gets me up, what gets me going, I, I really love helping others. I love helping others who are interested in learning about this business, this wonderful industry that has been so rewarding to me in in many respects, in particular, just being able to satisfy so much intellectual curiosity, you know, finance and investing for someone who just loves to read and learn about new businesses and, and meet different management teams. It's such a wonderful career path. And I really want as many people who have interest in it to stay in it for the long term, because it is also an industry and a business where you get better with repetition, right? You get better with practice. The more cycles you see, the more types of companies you see, the more situations you see, that's how you learn. And it is very much an apprenticeship business. But I do think sometimes because it is so intimidating on the front end that people do decide to leave and tap out. And and so that's one of the things that excites me so much. I really enjoy helping younger people in high school, in college, those first new to the business, our analysts, our associates, help them really learn the business. I love to teach. I love to support different people in the industry, not just at Oak Tree, but across the industry. And it gets me very excited. It it fills my cup. You know, I think every one of us, when you think about what you might want to do professionally, one of the things you have to ask yourself is this question you just asked me, Sean, what gets you going? What gets you motivated? And that can be several different things for each person. And for me, one of them is helping others and and helping teach and train others and helping them stay engaged in this very interesting business that can and often feels very intimidating at the beginning. What's your advice for people in general to seek out mentors within their industry or even cross industries? A few things. I think if your company has a program, a formal mentorship program, you should absolutely sign up for it and get paired with somebody in your own organization. I think a lot of companies have spent a lot of time really um, curating internal mentorship and sponsorship programs, and many companies are quite thoughtful about that. So take advantage of that. But apart from that, you certainly should seek out mentors away from the formal programs. And I think in terms of advice on, on how to do it, really 
keep your, you know, your ears and eyes open and and pay attention. And when you see or meet someone where you you like how they're interacting with others, or you you see them in a meeting and you say, Wow, um, I really like how that person delivers a message or can listen to others or how they're interacting. Do what you can to try to get to know them. If you work in an environment where it's easy enough to swing by their office and say hello, stop by. There's a lot of organizations, I think, where it is totally acceptable and normal to just walk by somebody's office and and knock on the door and introduce yourself. That is certainly welcome at Oak Tree, and people do it all the time. Asking people to go to coffee after you've had that introduction is the first way to get to know them. And, you know, coming to those coffee chats with questions and coming prepared allows you to hopefully have the other person want to spend time with you, right? Because you've asked to spend time with them and you're choosing, you've come prepared so that you're not wasting anybody's time. Attend as many networking events or opportunities to meet others as you can. One piece of advice I have is when you go to those things, don't spend the entire evening chatting and catching up with the people you already know. A lot of times people go to events, networking events or business events, what have you. You go with someone you know, and that's very comfortable. But go and, and make a pack with whoever you, you arrived with and say, let's spend 20, 30 minutes trying to meet others and let's come back and, and see each other at the end and be intentional about that because the more people you meet and the more things you do, it certainly can help your opportunity set grow and it also helps you grow professionally. Couldn't agree more. So, Gerilyn, how can our listeners support you in your work? I mentioned earlier these many different early education programs that we support at Oak Tree and that so many in our industry support. Alt Finance, Girls Who Invest, SEO, there's others, Phelps Forward, the Twigo Foundation. I think whatever industry you're in, whatever career you're in, find out what are the mentorship and early education programs that feed into your business and see what you can do. Everybody can support someone new or younger to them in in your own professional journey. Ask anyone in your own organization or with a organization that supports your career or your industry what do you need? How can I help you? How, you know, do you need mentors? What type of volunteerism do you need? But just being able to know and say so much of the opportunity that I've been given is because others made that investment in me and to turn it around and and pay it forward and support the ones that come behind you. That's how we build stronger organizations. That's how we build better community always picking up the phone when somebody has a question for you and taking the time to answer it thoughtfully and, um, you know, with humanity. That doesn't really answer the question how to support me in the, in my work, but I do think that's what everyone should try to do in whatever, in whatever work they're doing. <laughs> I think it absolutely does answer it. It's it, the core message is to pay forward. Yeah. You remind me that, you know, even for myself, I think especially for the people that are more senior in their roles. It's also important for them to be examples of vulnerable leaders as well, to to show some vulnerability, right? Because then it it does make it more welcoming. I I recently sent out my first annual, annual review, annual update email. 
And you're reminding me of this because I got a bunch of responses back that said, you're so brave to be so vulnerable in this email that you shared. At first, I was kind of surprised that people felt this was vulnerable because I, I guess maybe coming out of Berkeley didn't feel that vulnerable to me. But the beauty of it was they created the space for them to also open up and, and for us to have very honest conversations with each other about our lives and the challenges and whatnots. And it's just, it was amazing because then you really feel that connection, that bond versus some superfluous conversation about, hey, you know, this is what's up, you know, kids are doing this you know, <laughs> and that. And yes, <laughs> yes. And I think it's just such a wonderful thing, wonderful way to live. The idea of paying it forward, you know, my mentors today at Oak Tree, Howard Marks, one of our co-founders, and Jay Wintraub, our CEO, I see them, you know, whenever they get asked to do something with younger people or to spend some time with new employees at the firm or, or people in college, they always say yes, right? And so it's this idea of no matter where you are in your own part of your own professional journey, the ones who I I admire so much are the ones like Howard and Jay, who I work with now, and and the four that I spoke about that I met 26 years ago, the ones who are just willing to take time to spend time with people who are newer to the business, who are younger, who are interested, and to make that investment and that ability to pay it forward, it's it really, I think, differentiates in any business. Well, we really appreciate your perspectives on on everything from mentorship to career advice today. So really enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, no, Sean, thank you so much. What a pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you. And thanks for doing this for Berkeley and for Haas. How wonderful for our community. Well, we hope to catch up with you again soon. Likewise. Okay, take care. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the One Haas Podcast. If you enjoyed our show today, please remember to hit that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast player. We'd also really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking for more content, please check out our website at haas.fm. That's spelled H-A-A-S dot F-M. There you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter and check out some of our other Berkeley Haas podcasts. And until next time, go Bears. <laughs>